Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Welcome to the Business of Marketing, brought to you by Adweek and SAP. The Business of Marketing is where you get to hear from business leaders and innovators on how CMOs work collaboratively with their C-suite partners to drive business transformation. So, for anyone who is a CMO or aspiring to join the C-suite, this podcast will provide you with a deep dive into how to create cross-functional teams, establish clear internal communications, invest in customer centricity, drive technology innovation, and develop talent for the future. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. Welcome back to the Business of Marketing presented to you by SAP. I'm Toby Daniels and I'm the Chief Innovation Officer at Adweek. Over more than 75 years, BIC has grown from humble beginnings to a globally recognized and iconic brand. But how do you take a brand whose core business is making pens and disposable shavers and maintain its relevance in a world that has seen every analog incumbent experience significant disruption due to technology innovation and digital transformation? On today's episode of The Business of Marketing, we're joined by the CEO of BIC, Gonzalve BIC, who has been with the company for 18 years. Gonzalve is an incredible leader whose perspective of business transformation and how to drive innovation in the face of disruption centers on putting your core values as a business before anything else. In fact, 
I think it's safe to say that BIC has maintained its relevance and has continued to strive forward as a business and brand based on the fact that they have made being internationally diverse, inclusive, and cross-functional a priority for how they run the company. I know you're going to love hearing from Gonzalve, and you're also going to love hearing about the ways that they've managed to reach new customers through their BIC Easy Reach Lighter partnership with Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart. Please enjoy our conversation. Gonzalve, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us today. Toby, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm thrilled that we were able to help you to write. I see that both you and I did not shave today, but uh, <laughs> we give ourselves the solemn promise tomorrow is that day, right? Exactly. Well, you literally have no excuses. I can perhaps blame the pandemic or just laziness in general. But the truth is, from a very early age, Bic, that was my pen of choice. So uh, I'm feeling very nostalgic talking to you today. Thanks very much. Love being here. All right, so let's kick things off first by having you share a little bit of history of the BIC organization. So founded by your grandfather, Marcel BIC, in 1940, the company started out designing parts for writing instruments, I believe. Give, give us a little bit of history on the company. Yeah, you're talking about uh, post-World War II reconstruction prints. I'm actually in France today. Everything needed to be recreated. He was working in a small stationary wholesaler, making parts, inkwells, ink. That's, that's the world that we're talking about. And, uh, and fundamentally, at the beginning, believed that the ball pen wasn't going to be the, the product of the future. It was messy. It was hard to control for the consumer. And then he married technology in the ball itself with a number of ingenious uh, manufacturing technologies to create the first crystal. What's incredible is more than 75 years later, we still sell over a billion of those products every day as they were originally designed, as you used when you were a kid, as I definitely used and produced at certain points in my life. And it's been a, a powerful vector for me since birth. I mean, I was literally born into this company. No, absolutely. And you've obviously been with the company for, I think, more than 18 years. Walk us through your career trajectory. And in particular, the sort of specific milestones that you hit along the way that have subsequently led you to the C-suite and your current position, obviously, as CEO of the organization. So let, let's think about it as two careers with Vic. The first one, unofficial, spent years with my grandfather. I, there's pictures of me under uh, a board meeting table. There's pictures of me and him in factories. I was six or seven years old. And they're very near and dear to my heart. And, and many other experiences with family members and then went away to college and did lots of studious things or tried to. And then I came back to the business. And you're right, I've had a pretty varied career. I started my career in commercial development, sales, marketing out in Asia. And then I ran our shaving marketing business, new product development at a global level. Did some HR, which was a, a fun turn to understand how people drive business. And I think we'll be talking a lot about talent and how that interacts at a global level today, because really our brand is global and our teams are very rich in how they deploy this global brand with local authenticity. And then after that, I took increasing responsibility of our global markets and the business categories, COO. But really understanding, it was very important for me to understand each constituent part of the business, consumer, the brand, manufacturing, and everything in between, so that today I can propel us 
and lead this incredible team into the next chapter of our journey 75 years on. You know, I've spent a similar amount of time over the course of my career, and even since I think I wrote my dissertation as part of my graduate degree on technology's role and impact on how we communicate. And of course, much of my focus over that time has just been on kind of the internet, social, mobile, et cetera. But of course, one of the original technologies that enables and drives communication is, of course, the pen. Talk about for a minute what technology and communication means to you and to the business, particularly as it relates to where the business is today. You're absolutely right. And for many years, it's been this weird juxtaposition of writing or digital. And I've had all sorts of debates with people inside the company and out. Is it going to be this or that? It's not. It's going to be and. That's what I'm so excited about. There are truly fundamental cognitive building blocks that you develop as a child, as a young adult, when you use a physical product. We're committed to it. The education um, space is very focused on that right now, whether it's handwriting, coloring, creativity, and we're all about expression. Now, digital is also about expression, right? Whether that's in 140 characters or a you know 10 second video. What we wanna do is empower consumer and people around the world to express themselves no matter what they have to say in a medium that makes sense to them. Now, Internally, and I think we'd all agree over the last 14 months living in the, the Zoom world, digital communication has been an incredible uh, vehicle for change. I think you'd agree with me. Five years ago, if we had said we'll go full remote, everyone will work totally remote for a year and companies will continue to thrive and economies will grow and new products will be launched and M&As will happen. Everyone would said, no way. But those meetings have to be in person. This has to happen. And it's, I'm so um, incredibly enthusiastic about what this means for us as a society moving forward. I think if you just said to me on March 1st, 2020, uh, I probably wouldn't have believed you, let alone looking back five years or so. So the event today is, is really about taking a deep dive into some of the biggest marketing challenges and opportunities that we currently face uh, in particular, we're interested in looking at, as I mentioned before, the role that marketing plays in, in driving business transformation, but also the role that marketing plays in terms of driving social and environmental impact, which I know are topics that are very important to you. But let's first just talk about this past year. So one of the things that we talk a lot about here at Adweek is this idea that over the course of the pandemic, the importance of private corporations and the role that they play in society has been brought into focus. Talk a little bit about your perspective on this, and in particular, how your perspectives have shifted over the course of the last 12 months. We've always been very committed to the communities that we serve, with 12,000 team members around the world, with big factories, and it's a lot of people who are integral to the community. And we think about them. It's a family business. And so fundamentally, that's my first port of call. And so you can imagine March 18th, it was health, self-safety, well-being, mental health of our team members, their families. We started making personal protective equipment for our team members, their communities. And that was really the beginning. Then to your point, we had to go full virtual. But our involvement as a private corporation and our impact at a global level 
spans many years from that because to your, your earlier point, we've been integral to learning to write. We've been integral to expressing yourself or those joyous moments that you go through every day. Now, over the last year, that's taken on a completely different uh, scope. And a few years ago, I was really proud to pen a new set of commitments for the organization called Writing the Future Together. And it has five pillars, but the one I think we need to talk about is we want to improve the lives of 250 million school students around the world within the next four years. And we're well on our way to getting there, but that's about access to education, being able to express oneself freely and without fear of reprisal in a hope of something better for yourself, for your family and your community. And that's really one of the things that drives me every day, not only for all the, the, the people that we serve, the consumers that we serve, but on my team members as well. And it's been really brought home to me these last 14 months. Let's expand on that a little bit, Gonzalo. Education is obviously important to you. And I know you spent some time within the organization leading educational initiatives. Can you talk a little bit about why why it matters so much to you? I think education is the root of a lot of progress, right? It's before science. It's before how we interact with each other. And collaboration and dialogue are at the root of all progress, right? Nobody does it alone. There's a lot of great books around people who have epiphany ideas, but fundamentally, if you take a step back out of the Zoom camera, you're gonna see a ton of people around them who enable them in a ton of different ways. And education is that at the individual level for so many years. So I wanna see children being free to color and draw, but it's not only about children. What we see in uh, the, the digital world today is the need for digital detox, right? The rise of adult coloring, the desire to say, I'm going to switch off the device for even an hour. I'm not going to text, tweet, chat, WhatsApp, Weibo, um, or, or the like. And it's really that connection that the, the big brand makes. If you go back to our advertising campaigns of 30, 40 years ago, the way we presented the product is very, very different. I think some of us will remember shooting a crystal pen out of a shotgun barrel or putting it on an ice skate or John McEnroe and his great shaving commercials. Today, it's totally different. We're connecting with consumers in a way that's relevant to them, but still fundamentally says, we are with you for your whole life every day. And that's part of the great part of big products is we're with you from when you wake up to when you go to sleep. I want to go back to something you touched on earlier, just in terms of how you came up through the ranks of the organization. You obviously gained a lot of experience in the various different functions of the business, right? You mentioned operations, sales, marketing, et cetera. And presumably, that's obviously been important to you and, and, and has shaped you as a leader. But I'm interested, given that kind of experience, I'm interested to know about how you think about cross-functional teams and team collaboration across the organization? Like, how do you foster that within BIC? And how has it been beneficial to the business, particularly over this past year, as we've all had to adjust to an entirely new way of working, in particularly in, in the context of working remotely? I think we, we all agree today that diverse perspectives make us stronger. Right? They improve decision-making, they bring a depth of understanding that we might not have had 
historically. And that's true um, at the personal level and to your point at the cross-functional level as well. You don't want um, your sales teams making decisions on new product development without understanding the manufacturing perspective and vice versa. We've been a global business since the beginning. My grandfather um, wanted to grow it in Latin America, Africa, and the Americas, maybe within the first 10 years of the organization. So very young from an organization. And we've been decentralized for uh, at least since way before I joined the organization. All of my memories of BIC have always been collaborative, cross-functional, and very international. So it's not unusual if you come to any of our big campuses or hubs, you're going to see people from all over the world, different disciplines, but also we believe in experiential learning. So giving people assignments, temporary or permanent assignments that take them out of their area of expertise and give them the opportunity to understand the breadth of discipline, but also to share. And when you do that at a global level, it's really empowering and it yields some pretty interesting results. Talk a little bit about the international sort of side of things and and how your international experience has also informed how you think about diversity and inclusivity, which again, I know these are things that are important to you, but I'm interested to sort of hear how it's really informed the way that you think about the culture of the organization. So... My first job at BIC was, was in our Singapore office and then our Japanese office. And that was a cold shower from a cultural perspective for me, jumping into these very different cultures for me at a young age. And so many of the lessons about the collective, about freedom of expression have stuck with me my whole career. And then I, I go on and I spend some time in Latin America, the Middle East, Europe, and the United States. And today, I still have a, a belief that I've learned so much. And I, from time to time, I'll call people that I worked with 18 years, they're still with the business. And I call them, thank you so much for giving me that perspective because it influenced my decision last week about something. We really move people around the business. So I was very fortunate today. I have the job that I have, but we focus on people development at a global level and make sure that even if it's just from France to Spain or Spain to Germany, we want to mix cultures backgrounds and experience so that people are learning from each other. Let's talk about sustainability. So BIC officially, I think, started its sustainability journey back in the early 2000s. And since then, your efforts have expanded to a a pretty comprehensive program, uh, including, of course, the Writing the Future Together commitment, which uh, covers both the environmental, social, and societal aspects of sustainable development. Can you talk a little bit about this this story and how the company is continuing to expand its efforts in this area? If I take a step back, you're right. Officially, we started in the early 2000s, but it's been at the core of our company since the beginning. When we designed, developed, and and manufactured Crystal, the, the original pen, we wanted to make sure that we had the minimum material usage First of all, because it's good from a cost of production perspective, but also because it has a minimum impact. Now, in the early 2000s, we started officializing things and giving ourselves goals. And so we were on a rolling barometer every three years. We'd set a target, we'd work towards it, we'd achieve it. That was great. Then 2015, we said, that's not enough. We have to think more holistically than that. And so we took a step back and we launched the Writing the Future commitments that I mentioned earlier on team member safety, 
how we work with our vendors and suppliers because it's not a closed loop, right? You have to think about it as an ecosystem upstream with our vendors, downstream with our retailers, and then the, the use of the products. And then at the end of last year, I felt the need to make stronger commitments. And so we've come out and said that 100% of our packaging, which is the first contact uh, with the brand for consumers around the world, will be recyclable, reusable, or compostable by 2025. And that's at a global level. So there's, there's a lot of changes you can imagine at an industrial um, level. And then by 2030, I want us to be using 50% or less of non-virgin petroleum plastics. And that's a big effort for us at a global level because the technology is not there on our perspective. So we're talking about fundamental research on how we manufacture and with what. And from an organics perspective and an alternative materials perspective, it's so exciting on what that can mean for society at large. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the topic of reinvention in the future. So BIC officially launched the BIC Easy Reach Lighter partnership in the US with the ultimate celebrity partnership, Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart, which was designed, I think, as a way to engage consumers, obviously, especially younger demographics in a relevant and, and playful way. Talk a little bit about this collaboration. We were so excited that Martha and Snoop found the product and the brand proposition and, and what it meant engaging. And they've been incredible to work with. They've actually designed their own uh, line of decors that will be launched in a select U.S. retailer come July, but more to see on that. And then, yes, they did this very fresh and dynamic piece of advertising. I'm thrilled that they're working with us. This is how we're innovating a little bit, but we've also been innovating more broadly than that as well. And thrilled with an acquisition we made at the end of last year of a company called Rocketbook in the U.S., right? And Rocketbook is the leader in sustainable digital writing notebook solutions at an affordable price point. And they've really combined with us over the last six months. And it's incredible where I think we can take this over time from a consumer perspective and a brand and marketing perspective. So let's, coming off the back of that, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about how you think about talent and developing kind of your team. What's your general approach to both developing talent internally, especially when you think about the importance of positioning your center at the self at the center of a cultural conversation, particularly in terms of thinking about diversity and inclusion, and also given the competitive landscape and the fact that you're you are outside of the acquisition you just touched on, ostensibly an analog business, how you then also think about talent in terms of competition? Well, a lot of the, the, the talent out there knows our brand, and that's the first touch point they have. And generally, it's very positive. It's an easy entree, but you're right. <laughs> it's a war for talent out there. What comes to mind for me is empowerment, and it's been at the core of how we operate. I told you about our international expansion very early on, and I often get asked, well, how did you guys do that? How did you start a business in the middle of the Amazon rainforest in the early 60s? We believe that people closest to the problem and closest to the action have the right solution. And so while the brand is consistent and it is uniform around the world, how we've engaged consumers is very local. In France, of course, people understand that BIC is a French company. But if you go to the US, you, know, you and I both know, people think of BIC as an American company. You go to Brazil. In Mexico, the slogan was no sabe fallar. 
does not know how to fail. And people to this day, 50 years on, still call it that. And that's because all the communication, all the material, all the way we presented the brand, whether that was in controversial topics or on subjects of national concern, has always been rooted in local understanding and an authentic um, position when we wanted to take I want to ask you one last question, which we like to cap all of our episodes off with. And it relates in part, I think, to the pandemic, but it gets to the core, I think, of how you develop and evolve as a, a leader of, of the organization. So looking back over the course of the last year, what is the one leadership lesson that you've learned that you think is going to be really important for you as you think about the future? One of the key lessons I take away from the last 12 months, and there are many, is how important the satisfaction not only of the consumer and the team member is, and that uh, combination is what creates the brand. When you have engaged team members for whom you've created space to learn, to make decisions, you've empowered them, you've given them the opportunity to develop themselves, you create meaningful circumstances for all. And I'm going to take that for the rest of my career. That's something I'm going to take with. Fantastic stuff. This has been a, a really fascinating conversation. As I mentioned at the top of the uh, show, Big definitely is a very nostalgic brand for me. I love what you've done with the business, certainly under your tenure. I love what the business stands for. I'm very appreciative of the way that you think about culture and diversity and inclusion, and obviously your commitment to the environment and to sustainability in general. Unfortunately, that is all the time that we have, Gonzalo. but thank you again so much for being with us today as part of the CMO Summit and the Business of Marketing. And thanks for sharing your insights with our audience. Thank you, Toby. Thanks for listening to the Business of Marketing, brought to you by Adweek and presented in partnership with SAP. The Business of Marketing is produced by Al Manorino. The executive producer is Brian Leddy. Support also provided by Erica Perry and Julian Gamboa. Please take a minute to subscribe and review our show. Your feedback means the world to us. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.